series called Fruitful, and I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about what I call the pruning effect. The pruning effect. If you have your Bible this morning or your device, please turn to John chapter 15. We'll just look at that for a few moments. How many know that God wants us to be fruitful? Amen. It's a command from Jesus to be fruitful. It's automatic if you're plugged into the vine to be fruitful. It's an expectation for God for us to be fruitful in our life. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants you to be fruitful. Amen. He wants you to be fruitful. By their fruit, you'll know them. If that fruit is produced from my vine, you will you will recognize them, God is saying. You, you will know the fruit. You will know the vine by the fruit. You know, it's, I, I call some people professors. <laughs> Come on. And uh, if they are filled with the carnal works of the flesh and they have their back toward God, even though people profess Jesus, there's no way they can be truly connected to the vine if the fruit is not produced. I mean, they can speak in tongues. They can rattle off scriptures. They can know doctrine. Come on. They can have correct theology. Because a lot of that you can study and get from a book. But if the fruit that's produced is not the fruit of the vine, then they're not connected to the vine. Come on. And Jesus is trying to teach us a very basic principle here. If you are connected to the right source, you'll produce the right fruit. If you're connected to the wrong source, you'll produce the wrong fruit. Come on. For a tree is known by its fruit. The Bible says in John 15, chapters 1 and 2, Jesus said, I am, remember we talked about I am last week, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes. Come on now. That it may bear more fruit. You know, we, we look at that sometimes and we think, oh, you know, if you have a tree that uh, you know, there's some things that are not connected and hanging off and all of that. God prunes that. No, that's not what God prunes. Anything that's not connected, God takes that away. Hear what I'm saying there? But if you are connected and you are producing fruit, He prunes that you'll produce more fruit. Somebody say, I don't like the fruit, but I'll take it, Lord. Come on. In the Good News Translation, he put it this way, he said, I am the real vine, and my Father is the gardener. He breaks off every branch that does not bear fruit, and he prunes every branch that bears fruit, so it will be pruned, and that it will bear more fruit. Pruning is a very important concept to me, for several reasons. I mean, if you just look at how pruning is used in gardening. Pruning is very important for longevity. It's very important for fruit yield. Pruning accomplishes several aims, all of which increase fruit production. 
justice. Jesus said, I have appointed you to bear fruit, and that your fruit remain pruning. So what does pruning do for us? Pruning will expose the tree to even more loving. Come on. And it will get rid of the excess leaders and create a balanced tree that will be able to bear weight weight. Pruning the dead branches presents disease and fungus and going over and spreading from the dead wood to all of the live flesh. Come on. Pruning of dead branches helps the, the, the tree to produce more. Why? Because there's those that underproduce. And if you let those stay there, it, it will cause the tree to grow. If you let those things stay in your life that underproduce, it'll cause your growth to grow. Pruning helps the tree to produce better, long lasting fruit. I mean, fruit that remains. The story about a bit. And the story goes this way it says, in the early dawn, the young gardener was pruning his trees and his shrubs, and he had one choice bush. And he had gone to much trouble to take care of this bush. But he looked at it, and it had too much wood. He thought it had gone to the wood too much. So he feared, therefore, that it would only produce little, if any, fruit. So accordingly, he trimmed and pruned the bush and set it back. In fact, he, he pruned it so much until it didn't look like the bush that was there in the first place. And as he looked at what he had left after he pruned it, he, he imagined the bush looking back up at him and saying, Why have you done this to me? I was a big, beautiful bush, and now you've taken all this stuff away, and I... You know, I look like that I, I, I'm malnourished. How could you be so cruel to me? You claim to be my friend who planted me and cared for me when I was young and nurtured me and encouraged me to grow. Could you not see that I was rapidly responding to your care? I was nearly half as large as the other trees across the fence, and I might sooner become like one of them. But you cut back my branches. The green, attractive leaves that are gone now. And I am in disgrace among my fellows. He imagined all this in his mind as he looked at the bush. The young gardener looked at the weeping bush and he heard it too with sympathetic understanding. His voice was full of kindness as he said, Don't cry. What I have done to you is necessary that you might be a prized bush. In my garden, you are not intended to give shade or shelter by your branches. My purpose when I planted you was that you should bear fruit. When I once plant a tree, regardless of its size, cannot supply the need. Therefore, I need you, bush, to do what I want you to do. No, my little friend, bush. If I had allowed you to continue to grow as you had started, all your strength would have gone to ruin. Your roots would not have gained a firm hold, and the purpose for which I brought you into my garden would have been defeated. Well, this man went on, and one day an unexpected vacancy entitled him to a promotion. And the goal to which he had aspired was now almost within his grasp. 
he's proud of his rapid growth within this company that he was making. But for some reason, unknown to him, another was appointed instead of him. And he was asked to take another post, relatively unimportant, in which, under the circumstances, caused his friends to feel that he was safe. The young man staggered back home and he knelt beside his bed and he wept and he knew that he could never hope to have what he thought he wanted. The, soul, the thing that was so desirable to him. He cried to God and he said, How could you be so cruel to me? You who claimed to be my friend. You who brought me here and nurtured and encouraged me to grow. Could you not see that I was almost equal to the other men whom I have so long have admired, but now I've been cut down. I am in disgrace amongst my fellows. Oh, how could you do this to me? He was humiliated and chagrined and a drop of bitterness was in his heart when he seemed to hear and remember an echo from the past where he had heard the words before, where else did I hear these words? It seemed familiar. He heard a whisper, I'm the guardian of you. And he called his friend, and that was it. That first thing. But why did that long forgotten incident come to him in the midst of his hour of tragedy and memory? Answered with the words that he himself had spoken. Don't cry. What I have done to you is necessary. You were, you were not intended for what you sought to do. If I had allowed you to continue, you would have failed in the purpose for which I planted you, and my plan for you would have been defeated. You must not leave. But someday, when you are richly laden with experience, you will say, He was a wise gardener. He knew the purpose of my earth life. And I thank Him now for what I thought was so good. I was thinking of another story of a guy who speaks slowly out in California back in the 60s. He got a job when he was in college, and he uh, got a job for a, a, a tree cleaning company. He had a tree cleaning company out in California because they had so many trees and vineyards and all of that. And uh, the guy, when he hired him, asked him, he said, do you know how to clean trees? And he said, of course I do. I came from a long line of trees. Well, he has his, his great-grandfather was a cleaner and had come over to this country, but that was the only cleaner in his family. But he really wanted the job. And so he said, yeah, they come from a long line of cleaners. And so one day, he got the job, and then one day, uh, the boss sent him out to this lady's house and said, there's this big, huge tree out there. I, I can't remember. I think it may have even been an apple tree. And he said, she hired us to prune the tree. And so he went out to her house, and she wasn't home. She had left and uh, used to go left a note going in the backyard and through the tree and he went back and he saw this monstrosity of a tree. And he thought, oh my goodness, how am I supposed to do this? How do, how do I prune this tree? I told this guy to come from a long line of trees. So he got his uh, little, uh, you know, tiny chainsaw, a little small chainsaw, got the thing going. And then he put spikes on his boots so he figured he had to climb the tree. He didn't get the level. He put his boots on with a spike, and he began to climb the tree with the spike. So, you know, 
number one, right there, uh, you know, killing the tree. But he comes up and he starts to pray. And I don't know if you've ever felt this feeling in anything in your life. But the guy started to pray, and then all of a sudden he started feeling good to You ever felt like that? Really, 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 you get another one. Really. Before you know it, an hour and a half has passed. And this tree, by the time you got it done, looked like a little current bush. <laughs> but it was a massive apple tree. And so he came down, and of course he didn't know anything about pruning, so he was proud of his work. He said, Look, I've seen that tree. And that's how you see the tree. But the lady came home, and uh, she had fixed some nice tea for him, and she was bringing the ice tea out on a tray because she heard him in the back. And she hadn't gone out yet, so she was fixed the tea and brought it out to him. And uh, his story goes, he'll never forget, as he stepped out uh, onto the porch and looked at the tree, he just dropped the tray. <laughs> and the tea went everywhere. She's, oh my goodness! What happened to my tree? And he's going, lady, what's wrong with the tree? I pulled that thing down. And so he was to say, you know, she called the company, she fired them, and he got fired. And, uh, you know, he learned a lot about pruning that day. The point to that story is, don't you happy a father who knows how to prune? Come on, pruning is a delicate process. You don't want to be pruned by some teacher. You don't want to be pruned by some psychologist. You don't want to be pruned by a friend. You want to be pruned by the father. Come on. The father who knows the pruning process. The father is the husband. God, our father, he's the vineyard owner. He's the husband. He's the one who knows how to prune. Pruning means removing hindrances. Not removing every branch from the tree. Come on. But it means removing hindrances to fruit bearing. To prune by cutting away the old and real branches. Come on. Believers, you professors, come on. You can say it this way. Every professor, he will cut away. But every believer, he will prune. Believers who have a true, intimate connection with Jesus. You see, a fruitful person is one who is implanted and abiding in Christ. Growing, increasing, abounding, flourishing. And reproducing, two words, reproducing much fruit. You're implanted and you're abiding in Christ. So the first principle we learned last week to, to, to successful fruit bearing and fruit that remains is first abiding in Christ. You must be connected to the vine because if you're not connected, you'll never produce fruit, much less produce fruit that remains. And the second principle here today is the pruning effect. You must allow God to prune you in your life. And by the way, it doesn't always mean that He prunes away dead wood. Sometimes He prunes away those things that produce fruit in your life. But they only produce little fruit. And in order to produce more fruit, the fruit that He purposed you for, He must cut that away. We don't understand it. Why, Lord? That seemed like it would seem like a good thing. Sometimes God pulls away what we think are good things. Come on. He's the Father. 
the Father's heart is loving. He watches over His dreams. His heart is calling. How can we trust in God? Number one, Father God has an unconditional love for us. He doesn't always turn us when we're doing well. He doesn't always turn us when we make him happy. Come on. He doesn't always turn us when we're being obedient. God has an unconditional love. He'll never turn his back on you. He will always turn you. Come on. If you turned your back on him or not. Jesus continued to turn Peter when Peter had denied him. Come on. He said, go tell the disciples, and Peter, you make sure that he's coming. Father God loves you. Will you not allow him to turn you? Secondly, and this one's a good one for me, the Father God connection is vital for growth. And I know this kind of goes back to the abiding. But I, I want to tell you something. We believe in our life that when we have experiences and when we go through things, you ever heard the term, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? Well, I believe that to be true to an extent. But we just, we look at, oh, I go through things in life and it makes me stronger. Everything I go through in life, you know, if it's bad and it happens to me, I just grow through that thing. I don't want to mess up your theology and I don't want to discourage you, but I want to tell you this morning that it's not just going through those things in life that cause you to grow. It's not just going through things in life that cause you to grow. A lot of people go through a lot of things. And there's a lot of people that go through stuff that don't grow. Come on. It's not just about having experiences and going through things. Boy, I, I went through that and you just got to hang in there because going through things makes you grow. Going through things alone does not make you grow. Makes you grow. If you're not connected to the source, when you're connected to the source and you go through some things, now you grow. Imagine this. Imagine just a branch laying on the ground, not connected to the tree. You see the branch there, and you see hanging off the branch on some other branches, and you say, you know what? I'm going to prune this branch. So you prune the branch, and now you say, oh, it's gone through some things. It's the growth. Why will that branch not grow? It's not connected to any source. It's because you go through something that doesn't make you grow. The Father God connection is vital for us. If you're not connected, you're not going to grow. Come on. We must be connected. We must be connected. If you're connected, you don't have a choice but to produce fruit. I would say if you're going through things in your life and you're producing nothing, we're talking about no fruit now. If you're producing little fruit, then still not. God will prove you. <laughs> Come on. And you'll produce more. Can't be helped. But if there is no, no, no fruit in your life, I think you need to reevaluate your connection. Because the connection to this power, you can't help but to be free. You can't help but increase. You can't help but do what he's telling you to do. Because when you go off to the side this way, remember, he's a father. Father's just not going to let you. Listen, I'm a father. And so, uh, being a father, now, I, I see things that my kids may not see. What father would let their 15-year-old daughter date a 28-year-old man? Come on. Not one who's following the Bible, who's following Jesus. And I say, this is not a good father. 
And so you say, no, that relationship is not right. And I, I know you, you may not agree. She might get mad at you. She might slam the door. She might not talk to you for a month and all of that. But still, a good father will meet you there. He said, let me help you with that relationship. That's not a God relationship, and it's not a healthy relationship. Not 16 and 28 kids. It's not going to happen because I'm your father. Now, some girl down the street, if that's the she's going through that, and uh, her, her parents let her do that, uh, maybe I'll say something if I know her parents. Maybe if she asks me for advice, I'll tell her. But I've got to let that happen. But my daughter, come on. Come on. That's the way your father is. There's things that you don't understand in your life. Lord, why are you doing Why am I going through this? And you might get mad at God. You might slam the door. And you might not talk to him for a moment. And you might turn your back on him. But guess what? When you come to your senses and you realize that the prodigal son did, that the only name I can call on is the name of Jesus, and you come back in, he's right there and say, come on, I need you to be done. I need you to be done. Because where else would you go? The disciples said, I think it was Peter that said, he said, will you need me too? Well, I don't know what you're talking about, eating your flesh and all this kind of stuff, dude. But I'll tell you this, where else are you going to go? Where are we going to go? You have the words of life. And when you realize that, you'll be right back in there. And so we need that Father-God connection. You know, at least in this country, the, until the 1960s, the, the, the importance of a father in the family was not looked at as very, being very important or significant. I mean, if there was something that went on in the family where the parents split apart or whatever, it was like the kids just automatically went to the money. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 go to, I go to walk in my neighborhood, and uh, there was a few times where I was coming, walking back toward the house, and I, uh, a couple times I saw uh, some kids playing on the side of the house that I walked. And they're, they're not even kids, they're babies, just uh, two and under. And uh, when I see them, they're playing. They look like they're too young to be out playing without uh, a supervisor, you know. And you know, the first thing that comes to my mind when I see them is, where is your mother? If you walk into a grocery store and you see a three-year-old in the aisle pulling cereal off and it's going everywhere and nobody else is around them, uh, I don't know about you, but I know what I would say. Where's your mother? Where's your and we just we just default to that. But do you know in ancient times the father was just as important? You know, in ancient times it was like where is your father? The father was the main reader to the children. The father was the disciplinarian. And I'm not saying one is more important than the other. We know that the God gave us uh, and helped me to get the man and help me with the False parenting is concerned, we're supposed to do that thing together. Come on. And I understand that the man being the head of the house of Christ is the head of the church and all of that, but as far as parenting is concerned, we're supposed to do that thing. I get that. But I'm saying in this country, at least, the father's relationship uh, to the children wasn't looked at as, as important. But the father's relationship is vitally important. It's vitally important. No, doing that. Maybe there are some who have been or are single moms, and you might think, well, you know, where's that leave me then? You know, where am I? Well, the good news is 
God has a solution even for them. Because God is a father to the father. He is a father to the father. The absence of a natural father does not mean that we are doomed to fail in reality. Come on. And that our development in Christ will be stifled even. God is a father to all who believe in him. Come on. And he has a special affinity toward the fatherless because he knows the importance of the father in the relationship. God is a father to the fatherless. He is the one that feeds our branches. Pruning is a process of cutting away the dead branches. It removes damage and disease branches in our life. Those things that you can't even see. Those things that you don't even know that have been during your growth, the Father comes in and He begins to prune those things. Pruning can save a vine. Pruning can save a tree from destruction. We don't see it all the time. Pruning cuts away growth that is growing in the wrong direction. So you can have growth in your life that's growing. But if it's growing in the wrong direction, God needs to prune it. You say, well, Lord, that was growing. Wasn't going the direction I wanted to go. Ninety-nine and a half won't do. Some of the focus was done. God wants you to be specific and exact in His purpose for your life. He knows what's best. Pruning stimulates new growth in your life. You say, I'm not going anywhere. Let God prune you. Let God begin to prune you. Come on. Pruning is the discipline of a loving father. Pruning is the discipline of a loving father. And so God is reaching out to us today to say, will you not allow me to prune you? Will you not allow me? Why? Because he's a good, good father. Come on. He's a father that loves us. He has an unconditional love for us. And though it may hurt, though we may not understand it, there are things in each of our lives that I believe God wants to prove in our lives. Come on, God wants to bring those things. 